0: subject something that I didn't probably share with many people in my life up until that point but I tried to kind of articulate it to her and, um, and for one thing she said yeah I've actually had feelings like that as well and it was one of the first times that I'd kind of found a, a counterpart who had a similar experience but what was really profound to me was that her reaction was you know I I actually enjoy it when that happens it's a it's a welcome feeling because it kind of reminds me that I'm in control of to and how I act, and for her it was like this whole feeling of love.
1: Welcome to Waking Up to Life with Rabbi Josh podcast built around conversations with people in our community who have found a bit of enlightenment in their lives. While these events may not seem life-changing to you, our conversation and insights from Jewish tradition will reveal how these moments shape the way my guests see the world. This informal conversation may also change your life. And if not, it's just 18 minutes with me. So, L'chaim to life. Today we welcome David Dwayhe to the podcast. David is currently a math teacher at University Liggett High School in Gross Point, Michigan. Also happens to be one of the founding owners of the Detroit City Football Club. And uh, thrilled to have you as a part of this podcast.
0: Thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure.
1: So, uh, as you know, on this podcast, I invite people from all walks of life to share stories that have. Uh, change their worldview, And I know that you have a story from your childhood that will begin our conversation. Are you able and willing to share?
0: Sure, of course. Yeah, so when I was, uh, I think I it, it really kind of became aware of it when I was in grade school, I would get these very random and unpredictable episodes where uh, essentially I would kind of become aware that I was alive. I never, still don't have a great way to phrase that. Um, but rather than just being a moment that would come and go it would it would kind of bring it was ultimately kind of a negative experience because it would bring this real feeling of panic and anxiety for me and i struggled with it through my childhood uh my dad who's a psychologist would give me some tips and pointers for how to deal with the anxiety and ultimately kind of get through the episode but um never really had a a super uh, effective strategy just kind of had to suffer through it um and fast forward 20 years uh, in my life, uh, after meeting my wife, we were getting to know one another in that early phase of the courtship, and I I kind of finally brought up that subject, something that you know, I didn't probably share with many people in my life up until that point, but I tried to kind of articulate it to her, and um, and for one thing, she said, yeah, I've actually had feelings like that as well, and it was one of the first times that I'd kind of found a, a counterpart who had a similar experience, but what was really profound to me was that her reaction was, you know, I, I actually enjoy it when that happens. It's a, it's a welcome feeling because it kind of reminds me that I'm in control of my life and what I do and, and how I act. And, uh, and for her, it was like this real feeling of empowerment. Um, and so needless to say, that really struck me and, and gave me a strategy for, for dealing with it, uh, if and when it happened again.
1: It's an amazing story, and I think that in these uncertain times in which we are currently living, there are so many people who have these moments of anxieties, these moments of uh, social pressure, and there really are two strategies. One is to back away from it and allow it to paralyze you, and the other is to dive into it, which is what you've chosen to do.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I certainly went the former route for, for a good part of my life, um, and I still, you know, to be, to be perfectly honest, there are times where it strikes me at a really random inconvenient time. And I don't, I don't handle it right away. You know, sometimes I'll be standing in front of a classroom and I'll, I'll get that moment of paralysis. And I just, I, I kind of have to like find something physical to hold on to for a split second, just to get past the moment. But, um, and it really what always comforts me and eventually is just those words from my wife that, Hey, like, yeah, this is uh, this is a good thing. Like you're in control and, um, you know, you, you dictate what happens next. And, uh, and feeling that sense of empowerment really helps see it through for me. So I really appreciate what you're saying about leaning into the,
1: the, the moment. And I can imagine that as a teacher, not only have you experienced it perhaps in front of the classroom, but you've probably seen it in your students. So how have you used what you've learned to drive and to
0: direct students in the classroom to be the best versions of themselves. Yeah, it's been very applicable. I mean, my uh, teaching math is a unique experience. I think uh, we, we've, it's a shared experience for all of us and for many young people and, and pe- people in their adulthood, they'll remember it this way. It's, it's, a, it's very much a confidence-based subject. And I think unfortunately for so many students, Anxiety and lack of confidence uh, prevent them from reaching their, their full potential with it or from enjoying it at all. And so um, I've tried to tap into that. I've tried to kind of be honest about that with students and acknowledge that many of them probably feel anxious or maybe they've had a bad experience in the past. And um, that's no reason to, to shy away from it. You know, we can all find some measure of success that we can build upon. Um, and, I, you know, I almost in, in part kind of view my role as a teacher as. As being that counselor slash, you know, coach on the side to um, to kind of you know getting away from the from the details of the subject matter and really just making it more about mentality and um, and confidence. Um, and then obviously, there are real clear parallels to to sports and the the soccer that I coach um, with the athletes.
1: I think it's interesting to hear you talking about teaching as coaching because there are so many examples of of teachers who who shy away from giving students those opportunities to sort of tell them, you know, you, you may have hit your wall, you may not be able to go beyond this point, and yet you've used that in the classroom to drive students forward. Is there a specific example without a name where you sort of saw that work and, and saw a kid achieve beyond what they were capable of?
0: Yeah, you know, it, it's interesting working in a small independent school, we get a we still get a wonderful variety of students. You know, they come in with all sorts of different backgrounds, and especially our our upper school represents a moment where we we become more of a regional school, and we get kids from all over the place joining the community in ninth grade. Um, and I had the good fortune to work with. Uh, he was a hockey player, and I didn't get him until his junior year. i heard great things about him. He was a great, great kid. Worked really hard. Very earnest student. Um, and he took a class. He took a precalculus class with me that might have been, a you know, punching above his weight a little bit. Um And he came in for a lot of extra help in the beginning of the year. And I was certainly happy to provide it because he was so motivated and appreciative. Um, and yet I just remember really seeing him kind of hit his stride. It didn't happen right away. You know, he struggled a bit and he had to deal with some setback, but um he didn't need much from me either. You know, I think he was one of those kids that he was going to overcome regardless, but you know it gave me a chance to coach him along a little bit and, and kind of reinforce those little moments of success that he had and helped him turn it into kind of a snowball effect and i mean by the end of the year he was like truly the top kid in that class which was you know usually you hear these success stories this was a really exceptional one because just through sheer force of will and a lot of um self-belief you know he got he got there and it got to the point where he really didn't need that extra help Um, And I think he started to realize that it was really neat to see a kid go through that transformation.
1: Um, And it really drives home your message, which is that once you recognize that you are in control of your experience in this world, uh, obviously there's still things we are out of control with, but when we take control of that, which we can, it can drive us forward, which of course brings me, it it would be impossible for me to have you on this show and not also talk about your connection Not only to being a high school soccer coach, but to being one of the owners of the DCFC, Detroit City Football Club, which I will say um, I'm a a supporter of the Rouge. Thank uh, you. Happy to have you here. So tell tell me how it's driven you. You started off playing in high school and then at Zoo College, and now you've played on the field. You're nicknamed The Touch. Uh, You know, we're happy to have you here. How has it driven you as a soccer player and as an owner of a soccer club?
0: Yeah, well, I should first mention that my playing days are long, long past with PCFC. The level has gotten way too high and too fast for this old guy. But uh, it was really enjoyable to not only help Launch the club, but get to play the first two seasons um, and really, I think the, the the point of connection here is that as a as a collection of guys that started it, there have been so many moments of adversity, you know so many moments where we even you know just for example, when we started the thing we we didn't know that people would come out, and uh, we certainly didn't expect that we would have the exponential growth we had early on but um you know another but we, you know, stuck with it and we, we enjoyed the creative process and we tapped into a lot of our friendships and, you know, you kind of get this synergy going and all of a sudden you feel like, hey, maybe there's a chance that, that this vision can be realized. Um, but along the way, there are these, these inevitable moments where no matter how hard you're working and how great things are going, there are certain things outside of your control that really threaten um, you know, the success of, in this case, the business and the growth of the club. Um, and they've, you know, they've continued, obviously, with the current uh, coronavirus situation. And yet, um, what's been so satisfying and rewarding to be a part of uh, and empowering is just the idea that no matter what obstacles we've faced, you know, with, with a lot of uh, self-belief and um, perseverance, and ultimately, a lot of help and goodwill from our support network. Um, we've, we've made it through all of these trying moments and um, I think there's a lot of universal application there. You know, if you surround yourself with good people and treat those people well and invite them into whatever project or idea you have, um, good things happen and you give those people the freedom to help you and you accept that help, um, you can really fly with that.
1: And it's important to, to note that in while you started off about your childhood to recognize that throughout life there are moments of challenge there are moments of anxiety in school in business in relationships and yet your message is clear lean into them and accept the help from where it can come and inevitably you won't always find success but at least you will be driving your own process. And I I do want to say, for those people who have not been to Keyworth Stadium and who have not seen the environment of a DCFC experience, you really should, because everybody there has embraced this idea that that we're not the best soccer club, we're not the the biggest stadium, and yet we're part of a community that is leaning into this challenge, and and it's worked out for you, right? Now you're in a new league, you've, you've moved up a level, uh it, how do you see that th- this sort of messaging driving the future of the, the business and and you as a soccer guy
0: yeah I mean what's what's really cool about it is a lot of people point to us as this success story in American low-level American soccer you know fourth tier third tier however people want to describe it um and uh and it's it's a pretty simple recipe you know I think from day one we we allowed um, those in our local community and surrounding areas who who wanted to kind of play a role to, to play as much of a role as they could and wanted to. And um, the result has been this this supporting network of people that have really kind of found like a second family. I mean, yeah, if you kind of listen to some of the testimonials from the supporters and um, as we've gotten to know them as an ownership group, I mean, it really has become this this really um, special safe haven for people where they feel free to express themselves, to welcome others. Um, you know, it's just I, uh, I've really enjoyed kind of watching that develop, and, and you know, I have a real sense of pride that I was a part of that seed that started it. But ultimately, it's it's been all that hard work and passion of the people that you know have joined since that first day. Um, but yeah, to, to anyone who hasn't been to a game, I'd say there is a, uh, there's a uniqueness to the experience and it's very much um, separate from, from the sport itself. You know, I think the, the soccer game that's being played is the context for the get together, um, but there's a, there's a huge party happening around it and a huge family forming around it that you know, really I think would go on whether or not the team was kicking the ball ever again. You know, there's, a, there's a real sense of community that's been discovered. And while we can't visit now because of the coronavirus, for
1: people who have not yet been to that stadium to understand what drives people to sort of walk away from the anxieties of their lives and just take an hour and a half or two hours to be part of this very spiritual experience, I would say, is really important. Although, I must ask you, uh, I have a, a 14-year-old kid now who's a soccer player, and, and when he was 10, we went to our first game. I think he was 10 or 11, and we made the mistake of sitting on the supporter's side. So, <laughs> you know, be careful with the language if you're bringing yeah. your kids on that side.
0: There is, there. I, I always kind of view it as, you know, if you want an opportunity to educate your child about some of the uh, vocabulary that they might want to avoid in other parts of their life, then you can go on that side of the stadium, but I think if you stay on the opposite end, um, you know, you're, you're good to go as well.
1: It is a very family-friendly experience on that side. Uh, so l- let me ask you, as you think about all of these stories coming together, your teaching, your coaching, your playing, uh, your personal life, it, what is the, the one driving message that you wanna share with my viewers today?
0: Um, you know, I think I've, and I've when I've talked about my involvement in, uh, in all of these different realms um, in the past, I think the one thing that, that always comes to mind is just kind of the, uh, it's, it's cliche, I'm sure, but just kind of the, the power of saying yes to things, um, being, a, being a yes person. Uh, when I first got asked to be part of that initial ownership group, it was a really, um, you know, seemingly random connection at the time. It was a buddy of mine from college who I didn't, I didn't know super well in college. I went to a small enough school that you kind of knew everyone. And he asked me to come and join his recreational co-ed uh, league that was forming at Belle Isle, which kind of sparked the, the potential for a fan base. And, you know, it was one of those things I, I, it was, it was so random at first glance. I, I did consider being like, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I have time for this. I just met my wife. We wanted to have some Early on in the relationship to ourselves, I was playing a lot of soccer. Separate from that, I could have easily been like, "No," but I just said, "Yeah, why not? I'll, I'll give it a shot. What, you know, what's the harm?" And I think uh, a series of yeses that have followed that moment um, have really taken my life in this, this unexpected but, but wonderful direction. Um, and it was really the same thing that got me into teaching. It was on a whim that I applied for a job at a school where I had coached at the summer soccer camp and. of said yes to the initial idea of putting my hat in the ring and 20 years later i'm a a really um, grateful teacher and coach at that institution so um, you know those moments where maybe you're uh, 50 50 on something but there's a little bit of intrigue uh, you know kind of that why not mentality i think that can take you pretty far in life
1: it's a great message. Simply lean in, take the opportunity uh, and it will overcome the anxiety and, and, and many times lead us to great experiences. So I have one last question that I've been asking all of my guests. Uh, I wonder if there is a book or a television show or something that you've been watching during these last couple of months or reading that uh, you want to share that has maybe made you see the world slightly differently.
0: Yeah, great question. Um, I uh yeah and I might I've got to make sure I get the title right. I've been reading a book um a few on this topic but one in particular called I think it's called American Prison and it's about a guy who um, was wrongfully imprisoned in Iraq uh, for a few years and then upon getting out he decided to volunteer to uh, work as a warden in a privatized correctional facility um, in the south and um, kind of face, his, face some of the trauma of having been wrongfully imprisoned, but also really dig into some of the corruption and systemic racism and all the, the things that constitute our current legal system, or our correctional f- uh, system. And um, it's, it's hard to read because of the reality faced by the inmates and, and um, the realities of, of this population of people that are um, being incarcerated. Uh, but it 's also been very powerful to you know for me a, a sense of gratitude for the life i 've been able to lead and um, the opportunity to maybe in some small way help influence a shift in uh, in the direction that that world in, uh, is going in um, but uh yeah it was it 's a powerful book, and um, the narrator does a really good job kind of um, being honest about his experience and his tendency to maybe fall into some of the um, behaviors of those that he had previously really uh, condemned as a, as a prisoner himself. Hmm.
1: Amazing, yeah, and it actually in, in a nice way brings together our conversation today in that uh, in every situation we still have to face the challenges and, uh, and not only from the inside but also those of us on the outside looking in, we have an obligation to, to make a difference in the world in which we are living. Uh, You really have shared a a wonderful story today and uh, also are not only in your own personal world, but in the world of soccer for your students as a teacher uh, and in our community, you have really been a thought leader. I'm so grateful for your time today, uh, being able and willing to be on the show.
0: Uh, My pleasure. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. So today we have
1: welcomed David Dwayhe, who is a high school teacher at the University Liggett School in Gross Pointe, Michigan. Also one of the founding owners of the Detroit City Football Club, sharing with us just a bit of his understanding of life through his personal experiences. We are so glad you watched today, so glad you've been with us, and look forward to seeing you at future episodes of Waking Up to Life with Rabbi Josh. Until then, lechai to life.